0: Welcome to the 90s Kid Book Club Podcast where we indulge in nostalgia, dust off our favorite books from growing up, and discuss how they shaped a generation. Hey Amy! Hey lady! Um, I have got to tell you that we have already planned our Halloween costumes. Ooh! We're doing a group costume. Um, Lily usually has planned her mind by about now in the year, like, yeah, mid-September, she's got it down. I check with her multiple times. like, are we still doing that? Are we still doing that? Last year, she said that she wanted to be Marshall, who's a Yeah yeah, Paw patrol, Paw patrol pup. yeah. went to some Halloween store, bought her the whole thing, bought her the special like extra backpack that she needed that looked like a jetpack the day of halloween like 10 minutes before we were leaving she said no i'm not wearing that she no. wanted she wanted to be olaf so i don't know if you remember I but do i remember put her that. in a white sweater and made an olaf hat out of like we had a i don't know sticker or cutout or something of his head it was like perfect and i just put it on a little band that i hot glued around her head and put little buttons on her white perfect. jumper i was like that, that's what we're doing and Done. she loved it and she was happy and it didn't matter that it was last minute and everyone was like oh my gosh great cut co- like so smart so, yes. so costume. i was like yeah i know
1: ah! <laughs> a plus mom a plus this year
0: we are not switching costumes because my brother and his wife taylor have asked to come trick-or-treating with us this year
1: so is everyone involved in the outfit in the costume
0: everyone's involved so you remember last episode uh i was telling you that lily is so excited to go to mario world yes she saw the mario movie she's obsessed with princess peach so we're doing a group halloween costume where she's princess peach (gasps) she also told me i have to be princess peach Ah! (laughs) And that Josh is going to be Mario. My brother Austin is going to be Luigi. Yes. And then my sister in law was left, and I was like, "What's Taylor gonna be?" And she goes, "Um, Toad." No. <laughs> so I was like, "Sorry, Taylor, you you were relegated to Toad." She was like, "Oh, that's great! I love it." I was like, "Okay, good." <laughs> she could also be a Princess Peach too, I guess. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, we've we are planning our Halloween costume already in mid-September, and it cannot change this year. Yeah. Because it's it involves a whole group. And I think Halloween's on, like, a Tuesday, so I don't know if we'll have, like, some community event or, like, trunk-or-treating or something the weekend before. Yeah. And maybe she can have a different costume for that or something. I think that's what we ended up doing last year, is, like, every event she just wore something from her dress-up box, so she'll probably want to do that again, but I'm going to be Princess Beach. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Are you dressing up?
1: <laughs> so... I'm always a witch of some form, mm-hmm. so I will definitely be a witch again this year, but I really, really, I've had this goal in mind for the past couple years, and we just haven't been able to make it happen, either like Blaine's working and it's just me giving out candy or we had COVID or mm-hmm. whatever, not we had COVID, but COVID was a thing, The world- <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, the world had COVID, um, so I've always wanted us to do Merlin and Madame Mim from Sword in the Stone. I have always wanted to do this.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I just feel like Blaine would be the perfect Merlin and I Mm -hmm. could definitely do Madame Mim. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Oh, yeah. That'd be great.
1: So I really want to do that. I doubt it'll happen this year. But this year I'm really focused on the decorations outside. So I'm open the ante.
0: I just had a random. <laughs> this is so stupid. I just had a random thought of like one of your dogs running around with like a fake sword yes! stuck in them, like <laughs> they're the sword of the stone. <laughs> Doug. Doug's the sword I in don't the stone. Know why that really got me. Just like running around with the little like foam swords. That's awesome.
1: But yeah, I've always I always want to be a different witch. Um Halloween's huge in the household. I've got it every year. I want the decorations to be more and more and more. Mm-hmm. Eventually, having like even a haunted hayride type of yeah. thing. Like we a have haunted a haunted
0: garage, Yeah, haunted house. My mom did that. Oh, she did that a couple years. My mom won. They did, like, yard competitions. Does yours neighbor do this? They do yard competitions. My mom won the best Halloween decorations multiple years in a row. Oh, my God. One year, she did a full-on haunted house in her garage. (gasps) We stapled black like tablecloths yeah. like that kind of material yeah. all over so it was all blacked out. At the very end she had one of her friends dress up and literally chase kids out of the yes! house.
1: It was the best. Um we have talked to our buddy Trent actually about something similar. You know, we could even set it up where they'd go to like ba- the backyard and travel through the garden and Whoa. you know like we could actually cuz it's pretty dark back there mm-hmm. if we have all the lights out so we yeah. could guide it, you know, with like couple candles or something like that yeah. you know the little battery power yeah yeah so yeah. halloween's huge i spent way too much money on more halloween decorations really we're making the a portion of the front yard into a graveyard cool um the front portion of the house will be like hocus pocus themed um i will hang on to the witch decor for as long as possible mm-hmm. so we had all we fill up a witch cauldron of candy, kind of like in Hocus Pocus, they, they have a Halloween party scene.
0: The rich family. Yes, the, the rich country. family has
1: that big-ass cauldron, yeah. and that, you know... Goals. I My whole life goals. Whole <laughs> life, I've been like, when will I have enough money to spend $1,000 on Halloween candy and not care? Yeah, fill that <laughs> Never. cauldron up. Yeah, it hasn't happened yet, but I've been filling up this cauldron. Nice. I hope I can get... Um, I really want like the whole driveway leading up to the witch scene
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, to be lit, but I have to figure out how I'm going to do it. Yeah. So we'll get there.
0: Yeah. You got some time.
1: Yeah. We leave for um, our anniversary trip. We're going to Mexico. Mm -hmm. So we leave on Wednesday. We come back Sunday and I keep telling myself. The moment we get back, I'm putting Halloween up. It's Halloween It's officially. time. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm.
0: Get the beach vibes out of the way and then it's like, okay, exactly. we are in it. Yep. Yeah. That sounds good. I have a few, whatever I bought new this like fall season is out, but I have not lugged up all my bins and bins of stuff from the basement. So I haven't quite gotten there.
1: I have it all together, but yeah, I need to take it all out one by one and yeah. kind of get it up there. Yeah,
0: Maybe I'll do that this afternoon.
1: That's always I funny. wish I could do it now. You know? Save it. After the beach. I, I already had that HOA beach. lady knocking on my door today, I so I definitely
0: don't want to risk well, it. Well, and you're still new to the neighborhood, so they don't know what's coming from you yet. They don't know what to expect. It's coming. <laughs> I, I gave them hints last year and the yeah. year before on Halloween, they get, but they don't know. It'll get bigger and bigger. <laughs> well, did. do you remember... Uh, I think it was Lily's first Halloween. She dressed as a dinosaur. Oh my gosh, we have a picture. <laughs> she dressed as a dinosaur popping up out of an egg. It was like a little foam egg. Yes. Bottom. Uh-huh. And she was nine months old? No, six months old. She was such About a About six months old chunky little round baby in a dinosaur popping out of an egg costume and then I was dressed as Ellie Sattler yes. and Josh was dressed as Dr. Grant. Yes. So fitting that our very first family themed Halloween costume was Jurassic Park because this week our book is Jurassic Park written by Michael Crichton published in 1990. So tell me what... Is your experience with this book?
1: Did you read it as a kid? Were you aware of it? I did not know Jurassic Park, Park was even a book. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I knew very well the movie. <laughs> I knew Jurassic Park had this hype. Like the movie came out and it was huge. It like was huge. Ki- kids loved it. It's and- still
0: huge. They're still doing it. Yeah. I'm like, God knows what number. I've stopped watching them at this point. Like Same. it's ridiculous.
1: Same. But, um, Kids, kids. I mean, always go through like a dinosaur stage, anyways. Um, And Jurassic Park kind of fed that for kids for generations ever since.
0: (laughs) I feel like it was especially big in the eighties and nineties, though. Like I knew every name of every dinosaur, and it really still kind of pisses me off that they keep changing them. Because to me, like a Brontosaurus is a Brontosaurus. That's what I was told. Yeah. In my like kindergarten class, we had bins of dinosaurs. And then the little cheat sheets of, like, what's their name and some facts about them. And you could, like, pair them with their facts. And I memorized the dinosaurs' names and they just keep changing. (laughs) But there was a dinosaur obsession in the 90s for sure. There was, um, I'm the baby, gotta love me. The Dinosaurs. Oh, shows. The dinosaur
1: Show. It
0: was like animatronics. What animat- would you
1: even call? Yeah, I was going to say, what are you going to call that? Yeah, it Robins is animatronics. Or
0: costumes? I don't know.
1: Were I'm they sure. little robots? I feel like they were. I don't know. They weren't costumes. They were too good for that time frame. I don't know. It, it is a there very disarming I bet that was an show. expensive show. Yeah, I think it only Everything lasted back two then seasons. Everything so was expensive.
0: And I know this because I literally put it on the other night. <laughs> It doesn't hold up. I'll no? Tell you
1: that much. It we'll cover that up. on our Patreon. <laughs> yeah.
0: It does not hold up. The quality is so bad. And I, like I said, I think it was only a couple seasons. But there was also We're Back, a dinosaur story. Do you remember that one? That was animated.
1: The, the cartoon. Yes, yes, I do. We actually had it in poster form in our house in New Hampshire.
0: No way. My
1: stepdad had no it way. framed. He had all these Disney covers like all their like traditional ones but that was one of them and i don't even think it's disney
0: was he like a disney adult what why no
1: he... i have no idea Weird. turns out that guy was a dick anyway oh. so shout out go
0: figure. <laughs> <laughs> go figure um but i i love that movie i have like Core memories.
1: I do movie. too. No, I, I watched so that much. movie so many times. Mm-hmm. That was such a popular one. Mm-hmm. But even Lily, though, she loved dinos for a while. She was she a dinosaur was
0: dinosaurs. Yes. She wanted to be a dinosaur for multiple years for Halloween, obsessed with dinosaurs. Yeah, kids just, go. they just love dinosaurs. They, I they
1: thought you were like, going to stop there. She just wanted to be a dinosaur. She just <laughs>
0: wanted to be a dinosaur. And I did read something. Um, I don't, it might have been Michael Crichton himself saying that dinosaurs represent to kids like an authority like an awe authority yes being able to
1: recall the names and stuff yes
0: so it's almost like a parent-child relationship of like they are so much bigger and more powerful and there's this awe and authority about them to children yes that they kind of latch on to it at that age which is interesting um but there was also barney oh Land, oh trust land before time <laughs> even godzilla i think is technically a di- so yes yeah, he like, is. 90s yeah. had it everywhere my brother had godzilla sheets he was obsessed with godzilla the movie yeah. i never really cared for it. apparently the newer one is good. i went I, I wasn't
1: guess. into godzilla either no. but when we went to japan earlier this year it was a huge deal that blaine left with a godzilla shirt and they were out of his size and the one he really, really wanted. Because yeah, he's and so I, big. Yeah, he's like, he's like, I need the X. I mean, in Japan, he needs like a triple X- XL, X- you know? Yeah. <laughs> but um, it yeah, that was a big deal for Blaine. Also in Tokyo, they have a giant Godzilla. Really? That's in like the center like of Tokyo, big? like in their little district. I forget what they call that district. Sorry, you guys. But um, awesome place to go. It's huge.
0: Like a building huge? Or- yes. What?
1: Yes. No, it like over it like how would you describe what i'm doing right now I, I the over sh- overcasts the the little population yeah <laughs> yeah it looks over the um the streets okay yeah cool. it overlooks the streets yeah yeah,
0: Japan for me is Godzilla and Hello Kitty.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they, <laughs> That's all I know. they're they big with um, Mario as well. Because I did yes. get, um, yeah. my niece at the time was really into Kirby. Do you remember Aww. the little pink puff? Yeah. And so I was, my sister was like, come back with something Kirby. And yeah. I was just like, oh, God, where am I going to find something Kirby? Because I wasn't going to anything that was really yeah. like related to Mario or Nintendo. Um, but we did end up finding a little Kirby. Nice. So I got her one.
0: Yeah. Cute. Mm-hmm. Cute.
1: So um, Michael
0: Crichton is my favorite author. He has written, I believe, 27 books. Let's see. I'll check my notes. 26. Wow. So 26 books. And he wrote some under a pen name, John Lane.
1: Ooh. Lang
0: Lange L-A-N-G and those are harder to find so my goal for years has been to read his entire catalog oh. I've only read like 14 I think out of his 26 but I'm getting there Ooh. and I even have some in my office right now that are the John Lange I feel like I'm saying that wrong Lange but it has an e at the end so okay yeah his pen name I have plenty under his pen name that I just haven't started reading yet but they're they're there and i will start taking them off the list but um some of them are hard to find some of them were published posthumously Mm -hmm. so he died in i think 2008 and they kind of finished or put together whatever drafts that he had and published a few of his books so i'm really trying to get through all of them i love his writing style i i I (laughs) loved
1: his writing style. i had never read anything from him Mm -hmm. and just to tell our our listeners um, I immediately reached out to Monica and was just like, whoa, the writing style of this book. I, I think I was only like two or three pages in at that point, but I was just like, this is amazing. Um, we had mentioned like Animorphs was just like really animated, lots of zings and zangs yeah. and you know, wham, bam. Um, and it was hard to keep up with that. This was not at all. Like yeah. this is written so just eloquently and mm-hmm. and it makes you like. You just feel so much smarter than you actually are.
0: Yes, Um, it does. Yeah, and he talks about such complicated topics. Most of his books cover either a medical adventure or some sort of science fiction. So he had an interest in both computers and technology, and he has a medical degree. So he loved writing, initially thought that he wanted to be an author and like an English major, and then he became disillusioned with the English major. I think he actually, pub, uh, not published, but turned in to his teacher when he was a, a writing student, turned in something from another, I think it was George Orwell, Ooh. another author and author put his name on it and got a horrible grade. And he was like, okay, I'm done. Like George Orwell is amazing. Yes, You either have something against me or you don't appreciate good writing and either way I don't want to be a part of it. So he switched to a medical degree, and he actually got his MD. Similarly, became disillusioned with the field once he was mm. actually like rounding and in a practice because he said it was focused on the doctors and their egos, right, and not on the patients. Which you can see a little bit in mm. this book. His opinion about the medical field. True. He also has an interest in technology, like I mentioned. He even wrote a book in the early '80s about um using computers and technology and how someone with very little experience could get into it. So this book in particular had lots of coding. Like he threw in actual bits of code yes. into the text. And yes. I'm like, that makes sense because of who he is. <laughs> it's yeah. literal code. I just kept thinking my husband would love this because he's a software developer and he codes all day, every day. I was like, he would know what this means. I just literally skipped over it. It would be like a whole page of that. Yes. Just skip it like I won't figure it out. Tell me what it is. (laughs) So um, he's just my favorite. He's amazing. I love his writing style. It does take a little bit to kind of like sink into it. And then once you're into it, it just flows. But he has an appreciation for in my opinion, like, body horror because of his medical degree. He talks about injuries and things that happen in so much detail that it's, like, uncomfortable. Yes. And that was something I read about. The movie for Jurassic Park was intentionally less gory and graphic. Like, the violence wasn't there.
1: Oh. And this
0: was pretty violent.
1: Well, okay, so I'll definitely agree. um, And we'll get more into the movie on our Patreon. But... With the book, yes, like they talk about it at one point that a dinosaur rips the abdomen open of a character and that their intestines are laying out. like it goes into those types of details. Um but it really puts you in the story. true. Like you are really in yeah. it. yeah, that's what I felt like the moment I was three pages in, and I was captivated by the story. It just picks up just it's just such a like you were saying, it just flows so easily.
0: Yeah. What's interesting about Jurassic Park, though, is it was initially thought of as a screenplay, so I think oh. that's why it lends itself really well to becoming a movie. Is he initially wrote it as a screenplay and then got some feedback and kind of revamped it and wrote it as a true novel. But he also has a history as um, like being a director or a producer as well. So he is the creator of the show ER
1: oh really
0: isn't that wild that's crazy that's That's wild yeah (laughs) what (laughs) yeah um he also he also includes a lot of and and we'll get into the themes of the book but he includes a lot of environmentalism environmental consciousness how the medical field impacts and how our human hubris can impact the environment that we live in. But he's been criticized in the past for attacking the science behind global warming.
1: Ooh! And when I read that,
0: I thought, I'm just going to throw that thought away because yeah. I love him so much. <laughs> it's like when uh,
1: I'm obsessed with Led Zeppelin, it's my favorite band of all time. And people will try and talk about things that Robert Plant did when he was younger and famous. Mm -hmm. And this was also, like, in the late 60s, so it was different times. But, like, he married somebody who was, like, 14 or something like that. Yeah, something bad. But it's one of those facts where I'm like, throw that away. Yeah. Throw Mm -mm. that away. No. She was happy and she loved him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Apparently,
0: he has financially supported the Democratic Party and warned that... There should be no partisanship in environmental legislation. Like we all live on this planet and we should be working together yes. to solve global problems. It's not a bipartisan issue. So, he was arguing for an apolitical environmentalist movement. So, it's not that he didn't was against it. Yeah. Lightning. He just was questioning some of the science behind it, which kind of led to some criticism, but I think ultimately I can kind of file that away as like, well, in the bigger, like grander scheme of things, he did kind of financially support doing the right thing he just was questioning the actual science behind it which i think everyone should do you should understand the science and be able to criticize critique and question science behind these larger movements
1: well and you see that in jurassic park even it's one of the things that i really picked up on through the beginning half of the book Is they focus on like humans impact on the world and humans trying to like, they talk about zoos, they compare Jurassic Park to like a zoo and they're like, well, it's not possible to create an environment that is completely viable for a being, you know, that's outside of its environment. That was Um, so
0: sad talking about. I don't I go to zoos. Zoos. I zoos. I will refuse to take my daughter to a zoo. I did refuse to take her to a water park, and then ended up taking her to one. Yeah. But that the zoo thing is one thing I'm going to put my foot down on. If she goes with school and it's like a trip That's and everyone different. else is going, different. it's different. But I will not go and spend my money to take her to a zoo. Me neither. I just don't. I can't do it. Josh and I went that. for my dad's work had a party at the zoo once. It was like a I don't know, like the company was like twenty years old or whatever, and all every employee went, and we just left feeling like
1: ugh. Yes, it's awful.
0: It's just awful. It's so sad.
1: When I see that, uh, just the size of their enclosures, even at like the Atlanta Zoo is supposed to be like a pretty humane. The zoo like and
0: they do a lot of research i mean i think they're no. doing everything that they can but still it's not right and it's not natural and unless i don't like it they it, it's a rescue like they were going to die and you've saved them but even then some of the conditions they're in is like
1: and i do i am a believer of survival of the fittest so even if it was an animal that was you know hurt yeah. or something like that then it needs to go through the natural life course Yeah, you know what i mean mm-hmm. like and i'm not sure it's really our duty to come in and toy with that which is really one of the the topics that jurassic park covers is Mm -hmm. like what happens when humans get involved yeah and in this case you might get your insides ripped out but (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) yeah there's there's a good bit of that happening so um this as we mentioned was adapted into a movie that was Uh, directed by steven spielberg yes this and lost world were both directed by spielberg um this movie was released in 1993 and then the sequel lost world was released in 1997 so my history with this book is that i loved the movies growing up and Loved Slash, was terrified by them, but still loved the movies growing up. And then I discovered Michael Crichton in like late high school, early college. Yeah. So not a true child, but this isn't a child's reading level either. But I did discover him kind of late high school and had no understanding of who he was or any of the history or the stats that I've shared today. And I thought his name was Michael Crichton because of how it was written. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So I, I was talking to one of my... Friends and we were at her house and her mom was kind of listening in and I was like I started reading books by this guy Michael Crichton and she was like Crichton, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one. <laughs> I'm in the know. Yeah, yeah absolutely that one. Um, but I, I read something that was like don't ever make fun of someone for pronouncing something the wrong way because it probably means they learned it through reading
1: instead yes. of hearing
0: of it. So it's like at least I was reading, you know. Should I get into kind of a synopsis of what? the book is about Absolutely. what happened. you chime in whenever is appropriate so um this book starts in costa rica and there are animal attacks happening so it's believed to be a lizard later identified as a dinosaur but these lizards are attacking small kids in- infants, babies yeah. babies so sad i was actually a little bit upset reading about it <laughs> <laughs> True. triggered like, it, it, it different, <laughs> yeah <laughs> different than the first time i read it i just can't imagine like a little lizard coming up and biting a hunk out of your baby it's just it's too much so, um the the characters here are a paleontologist named Alan Grant, a paleobotanist named Ellie Sattler, and I never fully understood from the movie that she was a botanist, not also a paleontologist.
1: Oh yeah. No, it I don't
0: didn't seem to focus on that in the movie. Yeah, I don't recall that either. But like later in the book she identifies that there was a plant near their, uh, on Jurassic Park, there's a plant near their pool that would kill children swimming there. It's like, yeah, you might want to check with your paleobotanist on that. (laughs) Um, Another character here is Malcolm. He's a mathematician, um, heavily focused on chaos theory. Apparently he knew that Jurassic Park was doomed for failure from the beginning. I'm a little confused as to why they included a mathematician to kind of consult on this part before. Yeah. Like that's such a strange choice.
1: That is a really I understand
0: consulting choice. with the paleo paleontologist, paleobotanist, like animal trainers,
1: but a mathematician, veterinarians,
0: a mathematician. Very interesting, but he apparently knew it was doomed from the beginning. And then there's Hammond, who is the leader of this whole thing. So he's a billionaire working on a quote unquote nature preserve we know it's actually dinosaurs and his financial backers are concerned about the safety in this park because of those animal attacks that were happening. So it was actually, um, when these lizards were attacking, it was actually a child who told his mom, no, that's a dinosaur. Yeah. That's what
1: I thought was so cool that the way that, so the whole time they're like, they have these lizards and they're small and they're like, You know, we're trying to identify these lizards. And then this woman comes in and she's just like, oh, that's a dinosaur. Yeah. And they're like, no, it's a lizard. And she's like, oh, no, trust me. My kid is obsessed with dinosaurs. I know my dinosaurs. Like, this is a dinosaur. And that was hilarious (laughs) to me. Because, again, like we were saying earlier, um, I don't know if it was in our previous episode or if it was earlier today, but every kid goes through a dinosaur phase. Yeah. You know? It's like. Yeah. Because Choose Your Own Adventure also had a T-Rex in there. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, dinosaurs were big. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. So there was also a lawyer representing the financial investors who were coming to check in on things at this resort. His name was Donald Gennaro. And then you find out once we get to the freaking island that Hammond, this... ridiculous billionaire with no context or understanding of safety brought his grandkids tim or timothy and alex or lex so he wanted to show how safe it really was by inviting his own damn grandchildren which i think in the movie they were like a niece and nephew situation yes
1: that's what i remember it's even more
0: horrifying that it would be his own grandchildren so um we start on a dig with. Alan and Ellie, they are given the specimen of this lizard that we then find out is an actual dinosaur, are told that there are these attacks happening. And then Hammond flies them out with urgency. He's funding their
1: Trip. dig, their
0: yeah. their whole... The whole
1: excavation.
0: Exactly. Yeah. That's the word. <laughs> <laughs> so he's funding all of that. So they're kind of at, like at his whim. Like he can ask them to drop everything and come to this Jurassic Park and they will. So they got on multiple flights and then a helicopter to get to this island that's called Isla Nublar. Island Nubar? Nublar. Yeah, something like Isla that. Nublar. Island yeah. in the clouds because it's very foggy and misty and cloudy. Yes. It's kind of this mysterious island that Hammond has purchased is creating some sort of nature preserve. That's all we know until we
1: land and literally see a Brontosaurus. Well... We do know that we're assessing the safety of the island because that's like their mission. But that's all we really know. Mm -hmm.
0: We think that the lawyer um, who's representing the financial investors knows a little bit more because the reason he is investigating is because they heard that these lizards could be dinosaurs. They know that there's dinosaurs on the island. So maybe we need to go check it out. Um. Another player, so someone else on these flights, is uh, Dennis Nedry. And he is a chief programmer of all of the software in Jurassic, Jurassic Park. And it is a very sophisticated technological park where all of the quote unquote rides or um, like attractions are on automated systems. Everything's locked down, supposed to be super secure. He develops the entire thing. We then find out that he has created some back doors into the park software so that he could steal frozen embryos of these dinosaur species, and that's really why he's coming along. So he's along with this group of people. He's
1: espionage.
0: But he's involved in espionage, and the person that has hired him to do this is actually a competitor company, and they want to steal these embryos to be able to do the exact same thing, so make money off of these cloned dinosaurs. They go on a tour, this whole group, and discover that these dinosaurs are created by taking dino DNA from mosquitoes in amber. They ensure that they are totally safe. They're all females. Yes. They make sure that genetically... They can't
1: can't reproduce. They have sterilized all of them with x-rays. That was an interesting method. Yeah. And and, uh, I'm pretty sure it was the mathematician who was like, oh, x-rays aren't that specific who was it that they called that out they were like oh x-rays aren't that specific what if you didn't target it to the right region what if you didn't you know mm. and they're like oh no we're pretty sure we've done it yeah <laughs> just like when they were like they were questioning whether dinosaurs had gotten off the island or not and they're just like nope no way no not possible <laughs> absolutely not
0: yeah the amount of like cockiness the hubris yeah they're just like full confidence in what they were doing is insane like that is what led to their well, failure it's
1: scary to me because i think about that a lot like we've talked about i'm a big gardener um big we're both big with the environment and our environmental impact and um It is very interesting to, to see that play out in a book where it does feel at times that that's kind of what's playing out in reality. We have these big old mega corporations that are producing products that are continuously contaminating our land. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're not targeting them. We're kind of telling people like you and me that we need to be careful of whatever it's such a failure in the
0: system (laughs) that's why i mean i try my best to be an environmentalist but if i don't recycle a plastic bottle yeah i try not to carry that guilt with me because the people who are doing the damage are these huge corporations that need to be regulated by the government and until that happens nothing's going to change and to put that onus on the consumer instead of on manufacturers and people who are pumping pollution into the earth as they manufacture and distribute it's insane to me i agree we are not individual people are never going to make large changes when it needs to happen at the top
1: yeah i agree anyways (laughs)
0: anyways <laughs> off my soapbox. they really
1: they really play that out in the book though i mean in the book you can feel all of this kind of energy it's like um what's the word like countering energies i guess where it's like one person feels like oh we've got this together we're you know the super egotistical side is like we've got this together there's no way a dinosaur has escaped and then the other side is like oh i actually know that this is totally a failed project that yeah. this is impossible to do You know,
0: and it is scary to think about how bad things could really get if a few, like, deranged, overly confident people make these kinds of choices. Mm -hmm. Like, it could easily happen that someone could set something loose on the environment or on the people. I mean, who knows where COVID came from? It might have come yes. from that. We don't know.
1: So that was actually something that I looked into as I was reading the book. I had a lot of moments that were like, is this true? Like, is there, what parts of this are true? Um, Could actually happen, you know? Because it's terrifying to think like, oh, we're going to bring back a T-Rex, like, how do you control that? Right. We'd just end up America, we would just end up shooting it. But <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I started looking into the background to see like if a T-Rex could even live on our planet. Yeah. I read something about if I interpreted this right or not. I read something about there was much less oxygen on the planet at that time. Okay. And so humans could survive, but we would be cr- like crazily confused. Because of the lack of oxygen. If we lived back then? If we lived back, oh, okay. like back when T-Rexes were here. Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, then you're wondering, okay, if we bring a T-Rex here where we don't have 10 to 16% oxygen... Would the dinosaur live? Like, could the dinosaur even live in our... Like what does too our...
0: much oxygen do to I, them? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. But, but they yeah. they also put this fail-safe. So even though they're claiming they genetically make them all female, they expose them to radiation to make them infertile. They also, in each one of their dinosaurs, make them not naturally produce lysine. And yes. they need it from their park. In order to survive. So even if something got off of the island, they claim it was like twelve hours before they would Yeah die. Yeah. So they they think that they've thought of everything. However, Malcolm, the mathematician, is basically there to say, In a scenario like this, there's absolutely no way that you can think of everything and chaos will ensue. Yes. So They go on this tour. They see how these babies are grown in a lab. The embryos are created. They've pieced together as much DNA as they possibly can from the mosquitoes in the amber. Yes. Mosquitoes feed on the dinosaur. They had like a certain like 20% of all the world's amber they had on hand to look for these insects that may have dinosaur blood.
1: Which was another thing that I looked into. Again, I was trying to cross-reference everything. It just was so interesting. Like, is any of this true? Um, So I looked in to see if if a mosquito would be able... Would harness DNA um, once fossilized. And what I learned was, no, only the outside is preserved. The inside is not. So we actually don't have any dinosaur DNA. Mm -hmm. Uh, More recently... Uh, It was earlier this year, I can't remember what country, Um, but somebody believed that they had found um, some like marrow, some like bone marrow of a dinosaur or something like that. So they were trying to see if they would be able to piece together DNA from that. Um, But still to this day, we don't have enough DNA. But yeah, so the, the extracting DNA from the mosquito and... They, did they mix it with a frog or something yeah or so like... they
0: filled in the gaps of the dna with other animals and you later discover the the problem the ultimate failure here is that they have spliced in some frog dna and frogs in an environment where there are no males will just kind of turn into a male like grow into a male and that's what's happening with these dinos. So, we later discover, even though they've gone through all these fail safes, there are males. They are reproducing outside of the like normal, approved, sanctioned, like yeah. growing them in a lab. And we discover this because after the lab tour, we go tour with all of these characters, the actual park. So, they've built giant moats and electrified fences between all of the different areas that these separate dinosaurs are in but they stop in order to take care of a hurt stegosaurus.
1: Yeah, I think that was right. Yeah.
0: Um, And here you realize that the stegosaurus has been eating these berries that are poisonous to it. So of course, Ellie's like, how did you not know this? This is so obvious. Now your animals are getting sick and it was on this regular basis. Again, just further evidence that they thought they had this shit together and they don't. One of the major themes here is like, Man is constantly fighting animal. There's this like vie for power, and we're always going to lose. like the environment will always win. Yep, you know.
1: Which honestly, like there were a lot of parts throughout the book that reminded me of gardening. Because in gardening, you're really trying to create a whole new ecosystem. If you're if you're trying to avoid pesticides, that's one of the methods of gardening is creating your own full-blown ecos- ecosystem where you have beneficial insects that kind of counteract the non-beneficial insects. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have this whole ecosystem that kind of balances and trying to balance that ecosystem is extremely challenging, if not impossible. Um, so it was it was very interesting because I feel like I'm constantly toying with that for centuries, Ever, forever, yeah.
0: And they had yeah. these animals for five years, and they run like their fourth iteration of just killing off every one of the animals that they yeah. had and starting fresh. So they've only had like these particular animals for like less than a year, and to assume that you have the perfect environment for them to survive is insane.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely. insanity,
0: and. It, It really made me sad to think about how many of these dinosaurs they probably just killed off. Like, they mentioned that there were these genetic abnormalities that would happen just naturally in the process, and so they would die. But then also, they again, they were on, like, the fourth iteration, so did they just slaughter all of these dinos and then
1: start over again? It's horrifying. I mean, it's kind of like gardening where you plant <laughs> you plant more than one seed and then you got to go out there and you got to thin them out. Yeah. So you're basically just killing them off at that point, you know, yeah. and you're choosing one to stay.
0: On each season, you go and pull it all out. Yes,
1: and you and just kill them over. all. It's a yeah. slaughter. Ugh. It's a big old slaughter.
0: Yeah. So anyways, I was talking about we discovered that these animals are procreating because we find eggs on this tour, discovered that they are identical to the eggs that Dr. Grant is digging up in the desert on his dig. So we know that they are reproducing. We don't necessarily know how, but then later find out they did use this frog DNA, and that's allowing them to spontaneously become male. They're re- reproducing on their own. And you may be asking yourself, how did they not notice? Yeah. So they've got huge technology, all these systems
1: to be tracking. Tracking every move, like... They're every really, animals.
0: Yes. they know where every one of them is. Then they discover that they were putting in an expected number of dinosaurs that this program should search for. It's like 264 or something like that. And so once it found 264 dinosaurs, it stopped counting. Mm. But there were more. Yeah. So the flaw in the system is that it should just continue counting until it has the total amount. So they were typing in, okay, look for 280 and then they'd find 280 look for 300
1: and then they'd find, find 300. 300
0: so there were all these animals that were kind of hiding from the software because the software was counting them but then stopping once it found the like, maximum
1: number yeah, yeah. we shouldn't
0: have more than this so let's only search for that many so um while we are touring we get in those awesome little jeeps that you're familiar with from the movie And are attacked by a T-Rex. So this is kind of where chaos ensues. They start splitting up. They all kind of go in different directions. Grant finally finds the kids and kind of goes on an adventure with them. Ellie is taken back to the like kind of base camp, and um, Malcolm got bitten. Yes, by a T-Rex. He had a compound fracture, all these terrible injuries. So he was immediately taken back. Who found him? How did he get back? I don't remember how he got back. He got back. Gosh. Ellie was taking care of him. Meanwhile, Grant and the kids are kind of missing. So they go off on this crazy adventure. They encounter all kinds of animals. The freaking T-Rex is like chasing them through the park. Yes. Yes. This was not part of the movie that the no. same T-Rex was like hunting them. The so, entire time. Yeah. They're like running through trees. They're trying to be seen by the sensors, but the power has gone out because Nedry or Nedry, whatever it yeah. is, who's doing this espionage has turned off all of the systems so that he can sneakily take these embryos and leave. He then was attacked by a dinosaur, as you've seen in the movie, and passes away However, the systems now all shut down, so they've got people trying to get the system back up. But but he's the one who
1: gets his intestines ripped out, isn't he? And it's super graphic in the book. Like they they make it very clear. Like
0: yeah, ain't no
1: surviving.
0: (laughs) Mm -mm. Basically, everyone dies. So to end the story,
1: they (laughs) everybody dies but the kids.
0: Yeah, and Grant
1: (laughs) and Ellie. Yes.
0: So. Hammond, because of his own hubris, gets attacked by the tiny little dinosaurs that kind of, like, rip you apart, the compies. That was a really brutal killing because he said that they have poison in them. So they bite you, you're poisoned, and then it's kind of like a narcotic. Like, you kind of just get, get like, numb and fuzzy. And so in the book, he was like, I don't feel so bad as they're ripping him apart. Really gruesome. Um, But then Malcolm succumbs to his injuries. Unfortunately, he dies. I think in the movies, he
1: survives and he's in number two. I was going to say, we'll get into that on Patreon, but I, yeah, I think I agree.
0: Um, They, in this whole adventure, have discovered that there was a ship that was coming every two weeks for supplies, and they noticed through some binoculars that there are little dinosaurs probably the ones that looked like lizards, I think they were the compies, I'm not sure, hopping onto that boat. They actually saw them on that boat going back to the mainland. And those
1: are the dinos that were hurting these poor children and babies. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: So basically, towards the end of the book, you realize that animals have been escaping the island this entire time. There is, in fact, a Jurassic World to come back to when they get to the mainland, which is number two in the sequel. Um, But again, Grant survives, the two kids survive, Ellie survives, basically everyone else dies. There's tons of crew and other people that were on the island that have passed as well because these animals are just going from their paddocks to others, attacking each other, attacking the people. Finally, they do get rescued by the Costa Rican government, so a um, helicopter comes down, picks them up, and then they're later quarantined and kind of held at um, a hotel to heal and tell the Costa Rican government what's going on and what they need to do next. So, you want to talk about general themes? What did this book mean? What did we get from it?
1: Yeah. Okay. So I had a lot of things come up throughout the book. Um, one thing that they talk a lot about, they use a lot of big terms, but one of them is like biotechnology and the whole thing is going to be, um, like it's kind of something that the people are fearing at this time. There's a lot of fear based, um, narrative, Regarding biotechnology is at least the kind of the theme, and it reminds me a lot of our current relationship with AI
0: oh yeah,
1: um oh, and that's a really
0: good observation
1: and just how um it seems to be the new common fear um in terms of progression, but something that maybe we can't really control but I did write down um Mess with nature, fuck shit up, fuck around and find out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that was a huge overlying theme, Um, as well as, like, it's almost a Frankenstein story. You know, like, you're creating something, it's running amok. Yes. And, um, let's see.
0: Yeah, a lot of people draw that conclusion that is basically like Michael Crichton's version of Frankenstein mm-hmm. and that throughout he kind of critiques modern science and says like what happens if we take things too far like we yes. don't know enough about what we're doing and can really kind of mess with the balance of the world we live in
1: so um i did look into kind of some things i don't know just the idea of dinosaurs and trying to bring them back, it feels so real. It feels like something we would do. Like, humans are dumb enough to try and mess with this mm-hmm. and fuck around and find out. Yeah. And so I was looking into seeing, you know, I think I I'd remembered reading an article a few years back that was about mammoths, woolly mammoths, and trying to, like, clone them. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, back in 2021... There's a new company that wanted to resurrect the woolly mammoth using DNA splicing, and that was in 2021.
0: Did they have enough DNA?
1: So that, DNA? that company is called Colossal Bioscience, mm-hmm. and it's the world's first de-extinction and species preservation company. Okay. The fact that they use species preservation as the <laughs> word really uh scares me because that's exactly how they described it in Jurassic Park. Yeah. Um yeah. <laughs> but they are working to bring back the woolly mammoth, the Tasmanian tiger, and the dodo bird.
0: But why?
1: That's just cuz
0: we been, can
1: That's honestly what I was going to ask you. Like, like why what's the point? Just so we know how they were, how they how they like lived, how they their bodies are, their anatomy, their DNA, we, like just so we know.
0: Yeah. Like don't we know enough to be satisfied? Like yeah why do we need to know more? I don't They're know. not even around anymore.
1: I don't know. Um but uh yes, that was something I looked into. And then in July of twenty twenty three, they found a new dinosaur in Utah.
0: No. A dinosaur way. that they'd never no way heard
1: of. Um so I thought that was really cool. Now we have had one recorded instance, um, instance of bringing back an extinct animal. It was called the. It was called baby Burcardo, Bucardo, Bucardo, Um It's like a goat. It's kind of like a, a yak. Huh. Like they have big old horns, um, but they they're they're a form of goat, and. This animal lived for seven minutes.
0: Oh. And then
1: died due to a lung, a lung malformation. Oh, that's so sad. Why?
0: I know. Why are we but
1: doing that? Again, it shows. Like, fuck around, find out, you know? Like, it's just ridiculous. Um, again, wouldn't be able to extract DNA from a mosquito, mm-hmm. and we don't have any dinosaur DNA. So. Sad stuff, but I honestly, it's kind of like Terminator 2, going back to AI type stuff. Same type of premise, you know? It's like humans create something and then it runs amok. Yeah. It's a terrifying thought. It is. And something I feel like is far too real. Yeah. Just because I I believe humans are only one thing and that is flawed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, For me, this entire book is a lesson on greed and hubris like assume if we can do something then we will do it do it and like assuming that we know more than we do and we're capable of so much more than we are like we need a bit more humility (laughs) in our place in the world or else kill the ego (laughs) this is where we'll end up it's just chaos results from poor planning poor planning comes from some sort of confidence in your own ability and lack of care it's yeah so for me that was kind of the big overarching theme that's what I'm getting from it upon this read is yeah. just the hubris like assuming that you know anything
1: I also um just it's... as somebody who didn't read the book as a kid like if I was a kid trying to read this I think I was an idiot as a kid like there's no way I would have understood any yeah. of this I think the first or second page is when they drop biotechnology as a word. And I would have been like, <laughs> what? I can't pronounce that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was definitely way over my head. But now reading it as an adult, such a cool story. Highly recommend. Yeah. Such great writing style. Mm-hmm. Um, it's another book that has its own world to it. Yeah. And um, yeah. And they didn't make up any
0: weird science fiction. No, they didn't. They They didn't make up a language. Didn't make up any weird terms. So you're down.
1: (laughs) I could at least try with the dinosaur names if I didn't know it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I think for you, it's like you can do science fiction if it's set in some sort of reality. Like you kept saying, like, could this happen? Like it's set in a reality where it's like you could see this happening. Absolutely. What's really interesting is the timing of this book. It was published in November 1990, and in December 1990, the Human Genome Project finally began. And that's what ultimately mm. maps the entire human yeah. genome, or all of our DNA. Yeah. So I know that they talked about it for many years before 1990. It was probably something that Michael Crichton was aware of or had heard of. Yeah. The talks about, are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? apparently the doe and nih so national institute of health and whatever the doe stands for i don't remember Uh,
1: department of health doe oh i thought you said doh uh doe department of education sure environment
0: okay I wanted to give give some context for our (laughs) non-U.S. listeners, but I'm American and I still don't know. So anyways, these big organizations um, said that it would be about a 15-year project. So in 2001, they mapped the first draft of the genome, and then in 2003, it was finally completed.
1: Whoa.
0: Yeah, so I think he was aware that this was happening and that this mapping... The human genome would have such an impact on our understanding of genetics and what was capable and possible, but also it improved generally the practice of medicine. Like we understood markers of disease and sickness and precursors and all the things that we didn't know before and now have improved uh, medicine as a science. So timely book He was obviously a pretty smart dude, kind of knew that that was coming on the forefront, and posed the question of, like, if someone were going to bring dinosaurs back, why would they? And to him, his answer was, for entertainment, why else would you?
1: which is insane because <laughs> it's scary it's terrifying yeah. because it's exactly the society we live in know, now it's terrifying because yeah. that would happen mm-hmm. that would happen. go on tiktok what are we gonna do with dinosaurs put them in a zoo that's what we're yeah. gonna do like yeah. yeah yeah and it's what we have done
0: so the scariest thing is humanity itself
1: Dun, dun, dun.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So I think that wraps it up for Jurassic Park. It's a huge topic. Again, follow us on Patreon. Join our Patreon if you want to hear us talk about the movie and how it compares. Um, And maybe we'll do Jurassic World in the future. Who knows? um so I've got a story to share and in the uh so we always try to end our podcast with a cringe story and in the spirit of truly cringe stories I reflected on this one recently and it like my skin is crawling right now I hate it so much
1: oh no but
0: um I was never an athletic person Mm -hmm. um I have a fighting spirit in me now like my family did a um on july 4th we did a like olympic style relay races and Ooh. stuff and i got it i so you got like, the
1: com- compet, you know like <laughs> the competitor spirit yeah
0: it's deep within me but my family was like who are you <laughs> we don't know this monica <laughs> where is this coming josh, from, josh what have you done to her no i just really like to win and i think that's my problem is i don't play games unless i know i'm gonna be good at it i don't yeah. do anything unless yeah. i know i'm gonna be good at it and i i know i'm not gonna be good at sports so i tend to not do them but i tried out for cheerleading in middle school didn't make it i'm not a cheerleader yeah. my voice is tiny y'all hear me on a microphone? But believe me, in general settings, you can barely hear me. It doesn't register. And imagine a party. Like, I lose my voice every time I have to project at a party. So I have a small voice. I'm not super athletic. I don't know why cheerleading came to mind. And my we mom was already a cheerleader.
1: Knew, we already know from previous cringe stories that we've talked about on the pod um, that neither neither of us really appreciated the spotlight. So no. cheerleading yeah. is a very interesting one that you chose to take True. on. You know, you're on stage basically the whole time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it didn't make sense for me. So I saw that there was basketball tryouts instead. Yeah. And thought, I could do that. Uh huh. I, I didn't make it as a cheerleader. I've never played basketball in my entire life and I don't know any of the rules, but I'm just going to try out and see what happens. Yeah. So I was probably just as bad at that as I was cheerleading <laughs> because when they posted the sign of, like, who made it on the team, yeah, they posted it on the opposite side of campus. Like, I had to get to my school bus after school. There was this girl who was in my class who was also trying out, and I said, could you go across campus because she had to look for her name anyways I was like when you go there if you could look for my name just tell me the next time we have class whether I made it or not we had class like the next day
1: oh wow
0: I rode the school bus home so excited to find out if I made it went into class the next day and she said you made it and I was like oh my god I made it so surprised I showed up for practice the first day I didn't fucking make it That bitch lied to me. And I still don't know to this day if it was like a prank and she wanted to be mean. Which is. Or if she just couldn't
1: tell you that you didn't make it. So she lied. Okay,
0: that never came across my mind. That's a reasonable happen. The other one I was thinking is maybe I was that invisible that she didn't know my name. And she like sat. With of course, your of course your
1: twisted mind it's went like, oh, there. I, yeah, I wasn't
0: bullied. Yeah. I was invisible, which no. is worse. I know. But maybe you're right. She's young, and she's like, I can't tell her. She doesn't. Yeah.
1: I bet she went home and told her mom, and her mom's like, just tell her she made it. Oh, they'll uh, take her. She'll show up, and they'll take her. They did not take me. They They made
0: everyone try out again, and it was so obvious I was the only one who didn't know what the fuck I was doing. (gasps) So I made everyone try out again because I showed up. I half-assed it through tryouts, and then just never.
1: God, what the. Never went back what the actual fuck though? So that's how they handled it was made everybody yes. try out again instead of just pulling you aside and being like, Hey, this was the actual list. Like or just, ne- just better luck me. next time. Yeah. You know,
0: like anything would have been better. They were all pissed off that now they had to try out again. Yeah. Even though I was clearly the worst one and the one who didn't make it.
1: No. Yeah.
0: So the story in my head has always been that I was bullied, but now as an adult looking back, I'm like, it's, truly possible that I just was completely invisible and she didn't even know my name or what I didn't think of which is that she just wasn't emotionally adept to handle like telling me no oh my
1: god well that does jog a memory of a of a cringe story I've got all right well this is going to be news to the whole state of New Hampshire (laughs) because it involves the entire state of New Hampshire no they used to have these coloring competitions in elementary school Uh And it was involved the whole state, like every student in elementary school across the state of New Hampshire could color in this picture that they would send out. It was like once a month they would send out this picture and you would color it in and you could win a contest. Like they would choose the best colored picture. Yeah. It was basically like a coloring book, but it's just one page of the coloring book and you would submit that.
0: We had something like that, but you could get a free sparkle skate rink day.
1: Ooh like you, that's how, you and fun. your family could go to sparkles. Okay, so the prize for this one. I never won, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the story. <laughs> I have zero artistic ability. Like cannot color. Like I'm somebody who like barely can color in the lines. I felt like doing bold outlines and coloring in the middle was mm-hmm. was impressive. Yeah. You know, right. that was like I wasn't shading or anything like that. So it wasn't real detail, but I thought I was impressed with that ability. Um, so that's where I was at. The prize you would win was you would, you got announced as the winner at the state of New Hampshire parade that they were having, having for Halloween. It was a Halloween edition. Yeah, it was a Halloween edition. So it was like, I remember the picture too. It had a bunch of jack-o'-lanterns in it and it was like a haunted house, Mm -hmm. you know, like an old decrepit house. Um, Well, my sister is very artistic and I am not. And my sister is about three and a half years older than me. And so I had her color the picture and I submitted it. Thinking nothing of it. Really thinking I would not win. Like, I'm just thinking... Did you
0: have to submit one?
1: Uh, I think my whole class... I think... I I don't know. I don't remember if it was mandatory or if I just did it because... But there was some pressure there. I think it was, like, I felt pressure from my teacher and I was like, I'm gonna do it. Pressure. So it could have just been imaginary pressure I put on myself. But I give it to my sister. She colors it in. She's shading it. Like, with crayons. Shading on this thing. It is so obvious looking back that I did not color this in. Yeah. I was legit in like third grade.
0: Well, and so. wouldn't your teacher know the difference between your normal art versus this one? Yes! That you're magically you turning would
1: in? Like, think, you would think, but it gets submitted and sure enough, we win. So we won the contest for the state of freaking New Hampshire. We won. (laughs) Yeah. It was really, it was me. They're saying Amy Bridges. Oh, yeah. They're saying Amy won this. (laughs) But no, Um, it was my sister who did it. So we show up for the parade, right? And my sister is pissed the whole time because she's like, I did this. I deserve the award. I deserve the recognition. And she doesn't say anything. I go up on stage, I get my little they give me a trophy.
0: Oh my god. They give me a
1: trophy and like announce my coloring? name. Yes. This wow. was like a huge thing. And so my mom's there, my sister's there, and I go back to my family with my trophy, and my sister's like, That's mine. <laughs> and it's the first trophy I'd ever gotten. Oh and because this is before they gave you trophies just for participating, right. you know. So I had never gotten a trophy, and this was my first one, and I right, you know, did not rightfully earn it earn this trophy so uh my mom ended up taking my side and said that it was my trophy and that i got to keep the trophy it was ridiculous absolutely ridiculous but yeah uh newsflash state of new hampshire i cheated and (laughs) won
0: (laughs) it was right (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh that's amazing yeah yeah. i'd forgotten about that have you ever told anyone that no (laughs) no
1: My sister knows, did, like did she'll remember. Your, did you tell your mom or was she just blind? Oh, I think, face? I think my mom knew. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we all knew we were all in on it, yeah. but, um, surprisingly nobody stopped me you know nobody wow. thought like it's just easier to go along. god whatever wait, it's so ridiculous what different times though well
0: imagine the scandal if you were like "I'm um, sorry it was actually my sister can you
1: imagine up on like, stage if I waited oh you know and then they're like gosh. winner Amy and I'd be and like, like
0: ah <laughs> oh gosh, you, you need to get Allison a trophy for Christmas or something.
1: Oh, like, that's a good idea. here that's you a good go.
0: Idea.
1: Sorry. I'll color color her a picture instead go. and give there it to
0: you Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, if you
0: have a cringe 90s story you want to be read on the pod, feel free to submit it to us via any of our socials or email it to 90s kid book club at gmail.com.
1: And you can find us on Threads, Instagram, and TikTok at Nineties Kid Book Club.
0: We're also on Patreon. If you want any bonus content, like what we thought about this book's adaptation into a film, we also cover any TV adaptations for other books that we've read. Um, please rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends about the podcast. We'd love any new listeners. We appreciate all of you who are currently listening. Thank you so much. And I guess that's it for this week. So we'll see you next Tuesday.
1: And TTYL. Bye.